Welcome to She Takes on Corporate, the podcast that empowers females to explore their untapped potential and drive their careers forward. You're joining your hosts, Nicole and Amandeep. Welcome to today's episode of She Takes on Corporate. If you've enjoyed our episodes so far, please give us a rating on any platform, podcast platform that you are listening on. So you guys really enjoyed our last episode that we did on hustle culture and burnout. So we are now back with part two. In part one of hustle culture and burnout, we discussed more tips around managing your own expectations of yourself and finding work-life balance in a corporate role. We've also covered a lot of tips around what you can do as an individual to protect yourself from burnout. These are some important skills to have for success in corporate, but we acknowledge that you know this isn't all on us as individuals. So obviously your environment being, your company culture, your manager, what your team culture is like, all have a lot of influence on this as well. And in fact, for 70% of people, their manager actually has more impact on their mental health than their doctor or their therapist does, which is a pretty crazy stat. That's actually really high. Yeah. So today we're going to be covering how to navigate your company culture or a team or a manager that subscribes to hustle culture. So hustle culture is such a broad term, which will mean something slightly different for each person. But Essentially, it refers to the mindset and the societal expectations of, you know, constantly working long hours, prioritizing your productivity above everything else, and just glorifying general busyness. So as like the, how have you been? Oh, busy. (laughs) (laughs) The awkward question. Yeah. (laughs) So the World Health Organization now has a definition for burnout. And that is the syndrome which results in chronic workplace stress that has not been successfully managed. So there's three key symptoms of burnout, and this is feeling low in energy, exhaustion, increased mental distance from your job, and also a reduction in your productivity. Amadeep, this really makes me think about that post that's been going around on Instagram and it has those graphs that shows how much time you spend over your life by yourself, with your romantic partner, um, with your family, with your colleagues. And the interesting thing is you spend so much time with your colleagues over your lifetime. Yeah, it's crazy to think that we spend more time with our colleagues than our family and friends. (laughs) Yeah, So the average person spends 90,000 hours of work over their lifetime. So that really shows how important it is to have like a really good mindset going into corporate and making sure that you are actually happy in the role at the company and with the people that you work with. Yeah, 90,000 hours. We really do spend a majority of our time at work. (laughs) Like for me in my situation, It takes me an hour to commute to work, about an hour and 10 minutes. And then, you know, you spend eight hours at work, depending on the day, can be longer or less. And then I need an hour and 10 minutes to come back home, commute, you know, on my commute coming back home. So if you put all of those numbers together, there actually isn't much time left at the end of the day for us to do anything else. (laughs) 
So it totally <laughs> makes sense to work in a role in a company where we are happy with the people that we are surrounded with. Yeah, totally. So before you even start applying for roles, you can be researching a company to find out what its culture is like and whether or not it's suitable for what you want your lifestyle to look like. And from talking to friends, the experiences a lot of them have had is that if you work at a company that has expectations of work being your number one priority, working long hours no matter what to make sure that the work is done, um, and prioritizing that over all else, it's really, really hard to be the person that decides not to subscribe to that and the person who decides to come in at eight and leave at five. I feel like you just have no choice and you will feel a bit left out if you don't go by what everyone else is doing in a company like that. Mm. And particularly in terms of meeting, you know, your metrics for your performance review and everything, if the norm is to work 60 hours, 80 hours a week, how are you going to do that if that's just what the company culture is like? Yeah, and I feel like even if you're really good at your job and you don't need that much time doing a certain task, if you're spending less hours than everyone else, people will just think that you're skipping work and you're just not doing your work properly. So obviously at a large organization, there isn't always a lot we can do to impact the culture or the policies that they have in place around flexible working. Um, And that is the reason why it's so important to do your research through the job application process and make sure it is the right fit for you. So obviously there's heaps of information out there on the company website. You can look at what their values are um, and they may specify what their policies such as work from home policy are. Um, Also using your network. So going to industry events, you know, talking to people across different companies in that industry and finding out what the reality of working there is like, because that's something you can't read usually on the internet. And if you aren't comfortable going to networking events, you can also reach out to current employees from that company on LinkedIn, ask to meet for a coffee or set up a call. Um, and if you're a graduate, you may even be able to shadow someone for a day. Um, so I'm not particularly great at using LinkedIn, but obviously you are, I'm in deep. So how would you approach reaching out to someone that you have absolutely no connections with? Firstly, I think LinkedIn is a vibe. <laughs> it's going against <laughs> what people in that generation unpopular think Unpopular opinion. Yeah. <laughs> this is a very unpopular opinion, but I think LinkedIn is honestly the best place to go if you want to know the tea about any company. <laughs> <laughs> they post all the annual reports, everything to do with any changes in the organization. You will find that on LinkedIn or if you're just following key people from a certain organization that you want to keep up with it's all there (laughs) but coming back to your question on how do we reach out to someone that you have absolutely no connections with in my experience I've found it easier to get started by just reaching out to the people uh, from university so uni alumni groups or or talking to other grads in my organization. So I think asking them to introduce you to the people that you need to talk to, you're likely to get a far better response compared to you just going in with no connections at all and that person just having no idea as to who you are. Yeah, I agree. It's um, 
especially when you're trying to reach out to people that you have absolutely no connections with, you're bound to not get responses from quite a few and that can be quite disheartening, I think. Yeah, I think it's just about making it easy for yourself and the way you do that is by getting the people around you to connect you to the right people. Mm. But if you want to be really adventurous and you prefer getting rejected... <laughs> and like you, we all do. And you want to reach out to someone completely random on LinkedIn that you have absolutely no connections with. Number one, I personally like to make sure that my LinkedIn is up to date. So, you know, the really basics of LinkedIn is having a photo there, your bio that's complete summary of your work history for example so those really basic things I think the photo for sure because the person (laughs) needs to know who you're talking to at least and then once I have the basics updated and everything's set to go I would look through the person's profile and be really specific and clear about why I'm reaching out to them so being super intentional about my reach and using that to customize my note when sending a request because you don't want to be out here using a default message. I think when you're a bit more specific and you share with that person what you really admire about their work, you're far more likely to get a better response or even a response to begin with. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I agree. I think sending a personalized message does go a long way. Lastly, when we are trying to build meaningful connections, it does require an agreement basically where both of the parties are benefiting from that conversation. So what I like to do is think of ways where I can somehow give back to them regardless of how inexperienced I think I am in my role or in my (laughs) situation, you know. So some of the ways I do that is by sharing content or articles that I think they might find useful or connecting them with someone in my circle that they might be interested in talking to. I do attend a lot of networking events, so for me that worked. So with me, even though I do spend a lot of time on LinkedIn, I actually don't post a lot. (laughs) But the way (laughs) I use it is by engaging with that person's content. For example, if there is a person that you really want to reach out to and get to know more, the chances are that they would be posting a lot on their LinkedIn. And I think engaging with their content is like, one of my favorite ways to introduce myself to them without being really too into the space or being really awkward about it. Yeah, I think you have to just remember that posting on LinkedIn isn't comfortable for anyone. So if someone posts and you want to get to know them, engaging with their content, like they're going to be really appreciative Mm. of that. Okay, so we've talked about how to kind of find out what the company culture is like right at the beginning of the application process. So once you start progressing through the hiring process, this is when you can really start to find out more details about the team and the manager's expectations around, you know, workload, flexibility, what your hours are going to look like. And your interview with the hiring manager is really your opportunity to find out what working in this team is going to look like for you. And I think it is important to remember that, you know, A company website might promote that they have flexible working, but that doesn't necessarily mean that that is the norm for that division or that team or that manager. 
Um, so it is important to kind of separate what the company policies are versus how this team works. Mm. Um, because those expectations don't necessarily align. Yeah. And I think those are the type of questions, like you said, you would be asking in an interview process especially when at the end they ask you do you have any questions for us (laughs) yeah exactly yeah I think it's important to go into this process knowing what your non-negotiables are and you know I'd be asking questions around the flexible working um what your expectations of the staff member in that role are um what support you'll be getting for training um does the team sit together in the office or does everyone work from home every day? What does that look like? Um, and how hands-on will your manager be through that training process? I think these all may sound like basic questions. For example, does the team sit together during lunch <laughs> breaks? But in reality, I think they make such a big difference once you actually start in your role and Mm-hmm. If you don't have the support, if you don't see your team around having lunch together, you just feel so left out or you just feel so lost in your new role. And I'm so glad that so far I haven't experienced it, but I have friends that do feel very left out at their work and they really don't enjoy working at their company. Yeah, absolutely. I have seen plenty of times now when a team member's expectations or values don't align with the team or the manager. Mm. Um, And it does make for a really unhappy workplace for everyone because that's when conflicts start to happen. Yeah, I think as high achievers, we're more likely to experience burnout because we think that we can just push through any job, any situation, even if it doesn't align with our value. Like we think we'll find a way and sometimes that's just not the way to go. Like sometimes I feel like we might either find it hard to say no or we feel like other ca- others can't do things to the standard we set so that we just end up doing everything ourselves and put all of that load on ourselves or we might feel scared mm-hmm. to even ask for help. And then that just leads to unnecessary pressure and unnecessary, bur- unnecessary burn that we could easily just avoid. Yeah, absolutely. I think... It is my friends who are really ambitious, who struggle the most with these types of like workplace cultures with the long hours and all of that, because they're like, well, I'm capable of it. So, and this is the expectation of me, so I'm going to do it, which isn't necessarily the right way to go about it. Mm. I think it just highlights the point that even though others are doing it and that's what success looks like. And for that team doesn't mean you also have to do that. So I think that's that's why it comes back down to what you said earlier, that you want to be working for a company where their success, what their success looks like, matches the Mm -hmm. type of success that you're looking for. Yeah, absolutely. So at the moment with the recession happening here in New Zealand, and I'm sure it's very similar in other countries as well, a lot of um, company cultures have really taken a toll. And I think right now moving to a different company isn't necessarily going to fix the problems because we're all finding this current environment really challenging. And there's not necessarily a lot you can do as an individual to change a company culture. But I think what you can be doing is focusing on the things that are within your control. 
So there are a few things that I am trying to do at the moment to kind of create a nice positive bubble around me, even if, you know, the whole company's not necessarily like that at the moment. Um, So one of those things is joining groups that are making a positive impact to the company culture. So most large organizations will have cultural groups, women's networking groups, all of these things that you can be a part of. And world change does happen very, very slowly in a big organization. I personally feel that working with other people who have those similar beliefs and values to you can be really motivating because you feel like you're working together on something that has purpose. Something else you could do if you have the capacity is organizing a social event for the team, you know, to bring everyone together. It could really be something as simple as a BYO or a shared lunch to help lift the mood in the office and kind of get to know each other on a more personal level. Mm. You really do love your social events. (laughs) Oh, I do. Sometimes it kills me. I don't know why I do it. (laughs) (laughs) And something else is just trying to gravitate towards the colleagues who do have a more positive attitude in the office. So, you know, sitting with those people who are a bit more positive and trying to avoid being sucked into the groups who just focus on complaining or focus on the negatives all the time. And I think it is good to be honest, you know, have honest conversations if they are productive and you're looking for an outcome. But just being around negativity all the time um, when it's for the purpose of complaining rather than finding a solution can really pull you down. Yeah, I totally agree with that last point, especially that, you know, we can't change companies' culture, but there are some things that we can really do to create that positive culture around our immediate circle. And that is something mm-hmm. that we can control. So I like particularly what you said about gravitating and surrounding yourself with high achievers and people with positive attitude. Because there was this uh, video going around on social media that talked about that if you're a high achiever and you're surrounded by high achievers, your performance at work increases by 15%. So you're not working wow. any harder or you're not taking on extra work, but you are just better, 15% better. I actually believe that because I feel like just sitting around people who are, you know, hardworking and positive, it really makes you kind of want to be the same. Yeah, exactly. I think it's the... So the mindset. Similar vibes. I don't know how to say it. <laughs> the vibes are vibing. The vibes are vibing. <laughs> and, and the interesting thing is that if you're around low performers, the negativity around that in sort of environment, your performance actually suffers by 30%. And that's double. So I think that wow. really goes to show that how much of an impact your environment has on your performance. Like you're not doing anything extra or anything out of the blue, you know, just to stand out. But it's more about surrounding yourself with the right people. Mm. Yeah. So lastly, we just want to touch on what you can be doing if you do have a manager or a team who subscribes to the hustle culture life um, and you know, if you find it really difficult to stand your ground? Yeah, I think it's a lot easier to stand your ground when you are really clear on your values and what truly matters to you. So this really will reflect in our personal brand. And personal brand is what's 
and our personal brand is something that communicates our boundaries. So for those of us who aren't familiar with personal branding in corporate, personal brand is created through the way we act and those qual- and people associating those qualities with us. So for example, if you're the type of person that always communicates assertively, always asking for feedback, is pretty confident when it comes to speaking up, then those are the type of traits that people will associate with you when they think about you. So I think when people know what to expect when they, you know, think about you or your name comes up in a conversation, then it's a lot easier to stand your ground because people already know that this is how you are. So them trying to push your boundaries is just not going to work. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I think first you need to know what your values are. Then if you can communicate those expectations, that's how you hold your boundaries. Yeah, I do think, you know, it is really confronting to raise things that you aren't happy with, with your manager or with your team. And especially as a young person, because... Gen Z have such a bad rap already, you know, for complaining or having like outrageous expectations in corporate. But the thing is like people can't change things unless they're actually aware of the issue. So you do need to learn how to communicate that. And that's going to be so important across your entire career. Yeah, I think as Gen Z, we are redefining the way (laughs) corporate cultures are run I think we are a lot more confident when it comes to communicating our boundaries yeah hopefully we're changing corporate for the better so to summarize what we've spoken about today I think starting out in corporate as a young person you know a lot of us are navigating life as a real adult for the first time and we don't even know what we want our lives to look like in two years or five years you know and I think as you do start to figure out what you want it is important to make sure that your work life does actually align with that so you know, you spend so many hours at work. So it is important that it's fit for you and that it's an environment that you can be happy in. And like, I don't think it's realistic that everyone's going to absolutely love their job, but company culture and the team can make a massive impact on your happiness if you do enjoy working with those people. So what are your three key takeaways from today, Amandeep? Thank you for that amazing episode. So my three key takeaways from this episode are, number one, throughout your job interview process, be clear about what you're looking for, team culture, and if it's actually a good fit for you. Try and figure that out in the job interview. Number two, we can't change the company culture, but we can change the immediate environment around us. So you do that by surrounding yourselves with people that have positive attitude and similar values to yourself. And lastly, number three, being clear about our needs and non-negotiables so we can effectively communicate to our managers. I'll see you next week. Bye. (laughs) We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Share with us on our Instagram page which tip you are going to take away. Disclaimer, the content in this podcast discussed today is for educational purposes only. This podcast should not be considered professional advice. If you enjoyed today's episode, make sure to subscribe and follow us on Instagram, She Takes On Corporate.